Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Of my children are mixed race, and I'm really proud of that. When my kids grow up and they look back at this moment and they turn to me and say, What did you do in this moment? I want to be able to give them an answer. Welcome back to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. As you know by now, by the episode description and the title, we're doing something a little bit different today because your girl's still on vacation, okay? So I decided, you know, I know a lot of you guys will understand this, right? One of the joys of being a woman is that you feel guilty about not doing work and not delivering. So here I am, 10 hours before my flight, um watching, having watched the first three episodes, really thought they were going to help me out and just do one, but we had three hours of part one of Harry and Meghan on Netflix, and I decided that what better way to have a little bit of a compromise than for me to share the things that really stood out to me from part one. I will be doing part two on Patreon with hopefully a special guest. So you can catch me over there doing a lot of things. Frankly, I just talked about the Vow Vow Part 2. I did a throwback episode of Real Housewives of New Jersey. It's a whole mixed bag of stuff over at the Patreon. So you can check that out. Patreon.com slash EBBM podcast. Enough with the plug. Okay, I am gonna get into it because it was juicy. Now, I will say, do I want to start on an unfounded rumor? Seems unfair. 
I feel like the media has been unfair enough to Megan, so I'm going to give you a pass on that one, girl. But I will be, from here on out, giving you, I feel, a pretty fair assessment of the documentary. Now, I'm going to say right off the bat that they, if you're expecting scalding hot English breakfast about the specific royals, it didn't happen there was some, you know, a little dribble here and there, and we'll get into that. However, I think that they're going for the slow burn and nice pace. And um, now I think part two is really when they're going to get into the royal stuff. So um, with that being said, if you were hesitant about watching it and you want to pick, I think maybe part two might be for you, but we'll see. I mean, let's just talk about part one. You can do whatever you want. It's America for now anyway. So the very first thing we see on the screen is saying, this is a first-hand account of Harry and Meghan's story told with never-before-seen personal archive. All interviews were completed by August of 2022. And then the next screen says, members of the royal family declined to comment on the content within the series. The first exclusive personal footage we get is of Harry. He's recording himself on his phone from the Windsor suite at Heathrow airport. It's March, 2020. And he and Megan are on the last legs of completing their last few weeks of Royal duties. They announced back in January that they were donezo. And that's that. Then Harry says that not everybody knows the full story, but they do. The institution does. And the media does because they've been involved the whole time. And then he says, I think that anybody else in my situation would have done the same thing. So then we see Harry and Meghan in an interview and the producer hands him a laptop. It's an interview that Meghan did, turns out, in like 2015, right? And they're just doing a light interview with Meghan. What do you like? Who's your favorite female uh, TV star or character? You know, like just blah, 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 right? Oh, Harry or Will, who's your choice? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> and the girl goes, Harry. She goes, okay, fine, Harry. And it turns out that is less than a year before they met. Wow, kismet, guys. Harry then describes their relationship as not only a great love story, but one that's only just beginning. She sacrificed everything to join his world, and then he sacrificed everything to join hers. I mean, they are prepared, you guys. They are, they were ready. Center stage, y'all. Oh, also, another thing, by the way, you're not really going to see the kids, all right? Like, we get some sideways shots of Archie, um, you know, the kids when they're younger, but, like, they made it pretty clear. Consent is key, and those kids can't consent, so what you're going to get is a, a three-quarter shot or nothing. You better be grateful. So then we begin the love affair, right? It's the summer of 2016. Megan's having a hot girl summer. She's newly single. She's going to travel. Suits just got renewed. So, like, she's got her paper a little bit. And she's just going to go out with her friends, hop over to Europe, eat, pray, love, live her best life. She's got British friends. She's seemingly pretty well-traveled. She's got friends all around the world. And so, like... She's just out here going to be living her best life. Her one friend, Lucy, I believe her name is, uh, just so happens to be friends with Prince Harry, as you do. And, um, well, that actually comes out later. Hold on. So she's bopping around London. She gets this email from her friend who's like, hey, 
my friend Prince has. He wants to see you. How he found her. The first time that Harry says that he saw Megan, she was in a selfie with his friend with the Snapchat dog filter. She was the black and white one, like the Dalmatian. So he was like, oh, bitch, I got to know her. His friend is like, yo, Prince has... He wants you. Can I give him your number? She's like, who the fuck is Prince has? And she's like, Prince Harry, you know, that one. She's like, oh, okay. (laughs) So Megan kind of references something that she got roasted for from the Oprah interview, which is that she genuinely didn't look him up or his family up, but she did hit that Instagram feed. And frankly, what we see of his Finsta is like, I'm truly rich white guy goes to Africa, like long shots of a sunset and elephants in the background, you know, a lion, a bunch of black kids, typical stuff. You think that would have turned her off? It didn't. She actually really loved it. They start talking, they set up a date while she's still in town and they meet up this bar, but she's waiting for 30 minutes. And she's pissed because she's like, oh, this is his game. He's the type of guy who thinks that a girl is just going to sit there for 30 minutes like a dumbass sitting at the bar. But then he comes in. He's like actually really flushed. I mean, you know, he kind of always looks that way. But anyway, Megan says that that actually convinced her that he wasn't running game on her. They end up having this great conversation. They talk for an hour. She's like, okay, I have to do something else. Like playing a game, right? Um, The classic I'm having dinner with my friends. Why don't you meet me before, right? So the next day, gives it up immediately. Calls him. Yo, I'm leaving in two days. How about we meet for dinner? He's like, cool. Let's meet at the same spot. And it's like on like Donkey Kong. They play, they take a selfie. It's like commemorative of this moment. They're like, sparks are flying. This is it. The first little dig that Harry gives is to the royal family is when he says that Typically, especially with the men in the family, they marry somebody who's going to fit the role. They're not marrying for love, right? And his mother thought with her heart, made her decisions with her heart, and he is, I am my mother's son, he says. This is a shit that I really want to know is he talks about how he figured out that he was in the royal family and it wasn't like, you know, granny took out a piece of paper and was like, yeah, here's where you are. But just gradually it happened over time. He's like, okay, this is something different. He also says that he doesn't really have a lot of memories of his mom. And maybe that's because he blocks them out, but he remembers her laugh and how she like encouraged him to be cheeky. And, you know, if you're going to be naughty, don't get caught basically just, you know, typical die stuff. Harry says that the biggest realization was that he would see his mom's reaction to the paparazzi flanking them and hounding them. And that's when he was like, what was I born into? So then we hear an explanation of kind of how the whole royal family works. First of all, obviously, they're the most popular. That was magnified by the fact that Elizabeth R.I.P. had like a hella long reign, right? 70 plus years. And... They also rank somewhere in terms of favor between 60 to 80%, which is like a president's dream. 
Watching this footage now through the eyes of Harry was so jarring because I watch a lot of Diana stuff, like I'm sure a lot of you do. And so we've seen this footage where Diana goes up to the paparazzi and she like puts her hand over the uh, lens and is like, yo, can you just leave me alone? My kids want to ski, right? But what I didn't really think about is the fact that they would have to do this shit, the kids. So we're talking Prince William was maybe 13 at the time if that and he they're there with their girl cousins andrew <clears throat> um his daughters uh eugenie and, and beatrice eugenie is probably like four so we're talking kids from the ages of four or five to 12 or 13 having to pose for cameras a bunch of adult men screaming at them and having to answer questions like they're grown and they're like oh how do i like it like i don't fucking know i'm 12 i don't i'm like trying to figure out what's going on in my pants right now, you know, like that's really fucked up and crazy, just crazy. And then still on top of that, like most of them would leave them alone, but then there would always be these stragglers. And so then we get back to this Diana coming up to the paparazzi and she's having to negotiate them with them. You little bitch. Like, no, he's like, Oh yeah, I'll be happy to leave you alone in exchange for some time, a little, lit afternoon because I wasn't part of the paparazzi this morning so I didn't get my my lick so yeah I will leave you alone if you give me some private time later she's like like are you kidding me that's wild then Harry talks about Diana's panorama interview that she did with Martin Bashir the one that was super explosive and everybody thought was above board until like a few years ago we found out that Martin uh nabbed that interview under some pretty dubious means but you know even Harry had to admit that it had some pretty juicy details and it was kind of important in the larger sense. In part of that interview, Diana talks about how it used to be that she knew, like she could wrap her mind around the fact that, okay, once I leave my car, I know the paparazzi are going to be on me and I can be prepared for that. But now it's to the point that they're separated and she can't even leave her front door before the cameras are out. And Harry brings up a point of, yeah, she was powerful, she was influential, but the whole backing of the royal family just left her with nothing, and she had to fend for herself, and that's pretty difficult. And as part of that, he's seeing all these women in the royal family suffering, including his mother, and he's thinking, how the fuck am I going to ever get married and find somebody who's going to sign up for anything like this? He's dating people, the media find out immediately, they go all over these people's families, and then the girls get intimidated, they don't want to do it, right? I mean, they didn't mention that he had that really long relationship for, like, years and years with that African girl, like the white African girl, but I guess that's right, neither, rather, neither here nor there. Wow. <laughs> Learn to talk, girl. So by the time Harry meets Meghan, he decides that his best line of defense is to shut it down. Private. Don't talk about it. Secret lovers. That's what we are. At one point, Harry, um, you know, somewhat healthily admits to his mommy issues by saying that Meghan reminds him a lot about Diana, especially the warmth that she has. I gotta admit, even for a thug like me, they showed a little clip of baby Archie in Megan's arms, and they're looking at a picture of Diana framed on the wall. She's like, oh, that's your grandma. Who is that? Who is that, Archie? And then he starts talking to the picture. <laughs> oh, what they did to her? I will never forgive them. 
then Harry talks about after his mom passing, he and William had two hats to wear. They had to be the royals who were like stiff upper lip and friendly to the cameras and to the people and to the public and you're shaking hands and you're taking flowers and smiling at people when the other hat is that you just lost your mom, you're a kid, and you want to cry and mourn that. Now, I remember watching an interview that Harry and William did for... God, I sound like such a nerd. For a Diana documentary, I think it was like an anniversary or birthday something. And Harry said, this really stuck with me, that he only ever cried about his mom's death twice in his whole life. Yeah, wild. And then Harry says that it was kind of a double-edged sword because the nation treated them like, oh, these are our sons now. But with that came like the expectation and the paparazzi. And... It was hard. And there's all those expectation that they like are always above board and doing well. And yeah, just a lot of access to them. So then we meet Nikki. He is a childhood friend of Harry's. They met at Eton College, which if you guys don't know, is just like the poshest boarding boys school that you could like Harry Potter that you could ever possibly imagine. You know, they got the cloaks and the whole thing. Nikki says that for him, it was really hard to navigate how to talk to Harry about his mom dying because you want to be a friend, but you don't know what could possibly upset him. So you figure you just don't say anything because then you don't upset him, at least. Then Nikki says that he was always of the understanding that when the boys went to school, the media had an agreement to kind of leave them alone. But every time they would leave the campus, they'd be posted up. And we see videos like dozens of paparazzi trying to take pictures of like 13-year-old, 14-year-old awkward teenage Harry in his little cloak doing spells or whatever. It's wild. It's so creepy. And he they're like across the road and he's just smiling at them as he's going to classes or whatever. And it's just, it's so weird. Another thing that I do think we need to take into account as being interesting is that we never, like I personally have never really heard the story about how a man deals with fame and paparazzi and people hounding him. Like it's always through the eyes and tales of a woman. So this is kind of interesting, especially because it's something that he was born into it kind of makes it that much more fascinating. I don't listen to men, really. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Harry says that by the time they got to be like 16, 17, 18, it was business as usual. They were treating the boys exactly like they treated their mom. And it came to a head one night in 2004 when Harry's leaving a club and he's just like, leave me alone. And he ends up getting into a scuffle with the paparazzo. So at that point, I don't know why I'm laughing. At that point, Harry decides to um, send himself to Africa, to Lesotho, to reform himself. I just wish that maybe we could have unpacked specifically why he decided to go there. But, like, it's cool. Like, he seemed to have a great time and to, you know, assimilate to the culture really nicely. People speak very highly of him. And he went there like annually for years and he would spend months at a time in different areas of Africa and Botswana and different countries and everybody, you know, they love him. Quiet as it's kept. I mean, if you're going to gain some perspective anywhere, it might as well be a country that you're 
grandma is colonizing, you know? Might smack you into some reality. So then we get back to 2016, and Harry wants to now share a part of his African life with Megan. Now, bear in mind, Megan went back to Toronto because that's where they film suits. So they've been having a long-distance relationship. They've only seen each other twice. So they decide, we want to hang out. We happen to have the same week off. And Harry says, how about you come to Botswana with me and spend five days in a tent? And she says, oh, I guess. Let's do it. Needless to say, I think we all agree that if you're able to spend five days with somebody you've only met twice with no bathroom access, no mirror access, and you get along, you should probably just marry them. Like, it's not going to get any better than that. Even I would agree with that. Just just get it over with. So from there, they decide to make this two-week rule. Like, we're not going to go more than two weeks without seeing each other. And mostly the burden of the travel falls on Megan to come to London, which, you know, of the two, no shade to Toronto, but I'd be the Megan in this situation. So at that point, still, nobody knows they were able to go low-key with this African trip, so she's able to keep it pretty cute. She can hop on a commercial flight, get to the castle, whatever castle he happens to be in, pull up to the Sri Lanka, and they're having a good few days before she has to go back to set. Then they do kind of throw the royal family a bone by saying that ultimately, yeah, it is and looks like a very privileged life. But there's another part where you don't have any freedom, you don't have any autonomy, and you're basically just a puppet forced to perform these acts. Like, you have to ask the queen for permission to get married if you're one of the six in line to the throne and, yeah, other things. Just... I also thought, and I caught this, and I wondered if you guys did too, that oftentimes when they talk about the royal family and they're rolling this B-roll footage, it's William and Kate. Not really anybody else. They will only show, like, pictures of Camilla and Charles or the higher royals if it's necessary, like, if they're talking about them. But for the most part, when they're just talking about royals in general, especially negatively, we're seeing Kate. And the bald head next to her. Speaking of bald heads, like, okay, so Harry, I think maybe we really need to sit down after the documentary's out. You're going to have a little break. It seems like you want to keep the hair. So why don't we just get proactive with it and get some grafts going right now? And we'll all just let it go because we we know what you could look like. So I feel like as a globe we would just appreciate some plugs just do it i'll free you it's fine anyway as harry and megan continue dating they're basically waiting for the ticking time bomb that is people to find out that they're together right so one day in late october harry's press dude i think his name was jason yeah his press person jason it's harry and wills and i think this becomes important later because megan makes a big Yeah, Megan makes a big point of saying that they shared the same press person and how ultimately, like, when all the racist shit happened with Megan, it became way too much for one person to handle. Um, So, with that being said, Jason, it's late October, tells Harry and Megan, hey, 
it's coming out tomorrow. Somebody found out. Sorry. So they decide, okay, we're going to go out with Princess Eugenie and her boyfriend and have one little night last night out. It's Halloween. We can dress up in costumes and we can be and like have our little uh, skins. You guys know skins? That show? Great. It's pre, pre-euphoria. UK teen drama. I think you might be able to find it on Hulu. If you want something that that's like a teen inconsequential but still pretty good like along the lines of OC but like darker please they are doing drugs and they are fucking I will tell you that so um but it's very good it's real good so then Megan says that she was just going to approach the relationship being public the same way that she approached going to Africa just have take his hand trust the process right he would protect her along the way. But pretty much immediately, everybody is extremely fucking racist and awful. And they're referring to Megan as being straight out of Compton and all of the racial undertones that that includes, as we all know, being from the wrong side of the tracks, all that being a calculating black bitch, those lovely things, right? So yeah, not, not great. Doria also talks about the first time she met Harry. He was six, one good looking, just as nice as he looked perfectly polite gentleman and she knew that that was the one so megan says that it was kind of a relief at first because they were out and in terms of american media they were kind of touting her as like this amal clooney type she's beautiful she's smart she volunteers she's super philanthropic like she spends her time doing important things she's the total babe package right but things change pretty quickly because so she's out in toronto paparazzi comes out she was getting flowers or whatever she's making conversation with them and she gets a uh, call from harry who's like you can't do that (laughs) you can't talk to the paparazzi she's like what do you mean I was being friendly? He's like, yeah, no, I know. But you can't talk to them because they think you're now thirsty and the UK public, it really isn't going to like that. And they're going to think you're like a real stunt queen. So that's it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. So now the paparazzi from UK flank Toronto, flank her neighborhood. She lives in this really cute house in this cute little neighborhood. And they're paying people, 
They're paying off her neighbors to put up cameras in their backyard so that they can shoot into her backyard. They're paying them to release stories about her, hounding them, just knocking on the door, just asking for information and harassing them. And it's becoming all a really big problem. Megan is now in her house, the blinds drawn, like a crazed woman, or Sonia Morgan, and she can't do anything. They're taking pictures of her at all hours of the day, like she's being watched, the media's going, the tabloids are running these stories, now they're still trying to get to know each other, they're having this long-distance relationship, their longest time being together is in Africa for five days. And he's having to call Megan and be like, yo, I saw this in the paper. Did you say that or not? Like, let me know. Then we get to Megan's background. How she grew up in the Valley with Doria and Thomas. But they divorced when he was when she was two. So they end up moving about 40 minutes away. Um, Doria says, by all accounts, she had this great community of women who helped raise Megan and, you know, family members, chosen family, the whole thing. It was like a really good situation. There were times that were difficult where Megan talks about, or Doria actually talks about how people would stop her and insist that because Megan was so much more fair skinned than her, that that was not her child and that she was a nanny and like, where's her actual mother? Like, what people are so stupid um megan went to a school called the little red the hollywood little red house i believe where she went to school from ages two to twelve this sounds like one of the places that give you like butterflies as a grade but she seemed to have a great time they actually go back to the school and her favorite teacher reads or shows her what she wrote in the yearbook to the teacher and it was like very mature. Doria actually tells a story about how easy and mature that she was and how one day she asked Megan, do I feel, do you feel like I'm your mother? Like, do I feel like a mother to you? And she goes, you feel like a controlling older sister. And Doria's like, yeah, couldn't disagree. Megan starts to talk about how her whole identity was not at all being the pretty girl. She was the smart girl. And usually when beautiful women say this, we have to roll our eyes. We're like, eh, I was such a dork. People made fun of me. You know, like whatever. But this was true. But Miss Ma'am came with receipts. We see the old footage of her at 11 writing to the Ivory Soap Company about a commercial that she saw in which it depicted all women. And it was like, oh, women are going crazy because of the dish, you know, the soap scum or whatever. And how she took umbrage with that. So she wrote them and said, you need to change the pronouns. Inclusive queen in in the 90s at that. And so they ended up changing the... Thing to like the line from women to people. So now Megan's got the battery in her back and she is entering middle school, a riot girl activist. For some reason, it really cracked me up that they started playing Groove is in the Heart to talk about her middle school years, but I loved it. Like, make no mistake. One thing about me is that I actually really love that song and I have been saying for years that I feel like. Ariana Grande, and I used to say the baby, but we can't talk about him anymore, so we're gonna have to find somebody else to do. I think they should do a remake of Groove is in the Heart. I think that shit would knock today. So 
You're welcome, Ari. Ponytail. I was also surprised that Megan spoke so tenderly of her dad, all things considered, and we'll get into that in a moment, but she did speak about how he kind of introduced her to her love of acting because he worked as a lighting director for Married with Children, and she would go on set and she just really loved the experience. So things shift to a conversation about race, and I thought this was pretty fascinating. So Megan says that one time she was... Her mom was driving her home from the Hollywood Bowl and there was some kind of traffic situation with the car in front of them. Doria, I believe, honks the horn and the person in front of there just lets the N-word fly. Like a hard start, beginning and finish. The ER, right? Capital N. I'm just going from there. And Megan says that it was the first time she'd ever heard somebody say that. And she really didn't know what to do. They never talked about it. Her mom never said anything. But she remembers her mom holding on so tight to the steering wheel that her knuckles turned white because she was just like, it was a really tense situation. So then Megan says that it's just really strange for her to be a minority, but also to not be treated like a minority. And how, honestly, she had never had an issue in her life before she got with Harry with regard to her race. And then, because of the media, it became this huge topic of conversation. And then Megan says that people, most people don't treat me like a quote-unquote, she's using air quotes, black woman. So I didn't feel like I had to have that talk. My mom didn't have that, you know. Here are the things that you're going to have to realize as a black woman talk, as I'm sure her mother had to give her. So Doria does say, in hindsight, she would have had that conversation with Megan a lot earlier because then Megan probably would have been much more prepared for how the world saw her. So they play a clip from the talk in which Lonnie Love and Eve are doing this like skit of what they think would happen or what they thought happened when Harry told the queen that he was with a, a biracial woman, right? So Lonnie loves playing the queen, and she does like a spit take when he tells her. So at this point, after everybody's public, Doria tries to have the conversation with Megan. But Megan's kind of like, I just didn't want to hear it. Didn't think that that was the reason why people were reacting negatively to her. And Doria says, okay, but you might not want to hear it, but this is what's coming down the pike for you, girl. So Megan says still in that moment, she did not want to believe how her race played into the negative reaction to her, which is so interesting to me. Like, I don't, I don't know what's really going on with the plight of the biracials. I keep an ear to the ground, but that battle's not mine. Okay. So I don't really, I don't, you know, sometimes you guys look to me for an opinion. I Not my journey. You're going to have to ask somebody else. So then Harry says that his first realization was the first headline from the Daily Mail about how Meghan was almost straight out of Compton. And he was like, whoa. So Meghan says, not only am I not from Compton, that's factually incorrect. Why would you even make a dig out of it? So then Harry says that the advice given from the institution, meaning like the royal, the people who you know, establish all the royal protocols and the family itself. They don't, they didn't really care. They didn't really care about the things that she had to deal with, especially the men, because they were like, our wives had to deal with the same thing. Like, what's the difference? It's a rite of passage. 
she'll be fine. What's going on? Harry's like, the problem is that she's half black. Not like Kate. Not like that. I mean, he didn't call them out, but you know. Um, So, but they like weren't, they didn't care. The headlines that pop up on the screen are astonishingly disgusting about how Doria is from Crenshaw and then they pull up the crime rates of Crenshaw like that matters talking about how Doria lives in a rundown home taking pictures of her coming out of the laundromat like you know like a normal woman just doing her laundry but they make her look like disheveled and poor god help her it just sick I will say another thing that I found really insightful about the documentary is that they have a lot of British people, especially black British people, give information and insight into what it's like to be a black Brit, what the demographic is and how that relates to journalism and how 0.2% of journalists in the UK are black. And so you have to keep in mind the fact that this is a largely white nation with a largely white career path. And so they're the ones who could decide to decide what's racist or not. So this is what we're working out with, right? Then we get back to Harry and Megan and they're at the NAACP image awards backstage dapping up Anthony Anderson, uh, for, for some reason. I, I don't know why we needed to see that, but it was interesting. <laughs> I will say that Harry makes mention about how, He'd been to maybe half of the Commonwealth by the time he had met Megan, but he thought that he knew everything. Everything about unconscious bias, racism, the whole thing. He'd seen people all over the world, United Colors of Benetton style. But until he got with Megan, he was like, oh shit, like I'm in a fog. I'm in my own little bubble and I had no idea. So then he talks about, you know, the fact that he's really proud of the fact that he has mixed race children and that he wants to make sure that when they grow up and they ask the question, what did you do when you were called to, you know, whatever, um, that he wants to make sure that he has an answer for them. So good on him. Then things take a turn for the sinister. It begins nice with cast and crew and friends of uh Megan's talking about how Megan was before she had her beautiful life she had her show she had a little coin she had her little puppies and her nice house and like really made the most of it was a light to everybody just like a real fun bubble of a woman and then she's still working when it comes out that they're in a relationship right so They have to shut everything down. It's a logistical nightmare. They're having to cage in the trailers so they can't have like an open trailer anymore because people were sneaking in. They had to hire, NBC had to hire security for Megan. They had to hire a driver that was trained in evasive driving. That it was like the security guard that they hired said that he worked with very well-known high profile celebrity people before, but the detail that they had to go through was unlike anything that he'd ever had to deal with, with Megan. And that his task was basically just finding ways for them to get home, to evade people from tailing them. At this point, Megan's friends and family are like, you really need to think about this. Is this something that you really want to commit yourself to? But they're doing it. 
they're hopping on flights all the time. And she's like, honestly, like she was on the property, the royal property, going to the castles and whatnot. But she didn't understand how shit really went down until she met the royals. First, she meets Will and Kate. They're coming over for just a roast chicken night. She's not wearing shoes. She's got her jeans on. She's hugging them American style. And she's like, I didn't even realize that like they British people might find that jarring. But then she says, the other part of that is that it's for royal people. There's no time where the mask ever really comes off. The people that you see being, you know, perfectly polite, but kind of robotic. These are my words cold also my words um it's not like they all flop down on some fancy golden chairs from the 1500s and are like oh you know let's like you know have a drink or whatever like it's not like that they're same shit that you see they get behind closed doors so then megan says that the first real issue that she had with the royals or the royals had with her was that she was american and an actress And how, you know, the prestige for them in the UK, excuse me, is not the same as it is in Hollywood. And to this, I have to uh, tut-tut, Miss Megan. Because, girl, girl, nobody was watching Suits, okay? Let's just be real. I think, you know, if, let's say, Reese Witherspoon was also biracial, I think they might have had maybe better feelings about that than... You know, the girl who played Hot Girl in an Ashton Kutcher movie. You know, like, let's just be a little bit realistic here. Then they get into the proposal and how Harry had to ask for permission and he couldn't propose outside of the UK. So again, there's another roast chicken night. And this is when I learned that people in the UK refer to casts as stilts. And I thought that's the most goddamn adorable thing I've ever heard in my life because... Megan had two dogs. She gave one over to Harry. So one was living in the UK with Harry. And he had stilts on, as Harry explained it. And then I see the picture. (laughs) And that poor little dog with two little casts on his legs. Oh, that is precious. But anyway, he proposes. The interviewer is like, what position did you propose in? And he goes, I don't, downward facing dog? I went on one knee. (laughs) Like, what a question, lady. (laughs) I also thought it was funny that Harry said that he kind of figured that Megan had been tipped off because he doesn't usually drink champagne, but he opened up a bottle of it. And he acts like she was like, whoa, what are you doing? But Megan has to explain, he opened up a magnum-sized bottle of champagne. Like, yeah, I would be asking question too, my boy. So while the news comes out and the black British population seems to be mostly pretty excited for Megan, we're also having to keep into context that we're in the midst of having a floppy-haired bitch as the president over here and a floppy haired bitch as the prime minister over there. So people are just like really being racist and like, you know, talking about immigrants and just like really letting it, letting it out. And they're having fun doing it. All the while, the people in the Royal family are saying, it'll get better. Don't worry about it. It'll get better after the news dies down and people get over it, or it'll be better after you guys get married, or it'll get better after people get used to you. And it just like, no, nothing ever got better. So then we get to part three with the engagement interview. And 
Megan comes out swinging and referring to it as an orchestrated reality show and says that right after they did their photo shoot in the garden, as we saw, she's in that white long coat and holding his hand and they're talking out in the garden. They went straight into an interview, like no time at all. So Megan also refers to it as rehearsed. So when the interviewer asks her to expand on that, she's like, well, not only is it like we know what the questions are going to be <clears throat> before they answer uh, or before they ask, we also are like making sure that we're showing the camera the ring and that we're going to have a segment where Harry talks about the ring. And, you know, they didn't say that they rehearsed this part, but they made mention of this long, like, overly sentimental we wanted to include princess diana i really think she would love megan they would really get on it just felt very looking i mean even at the time i remember thinking god this is a little thick <laughs> laying out a little thick here but now knowing that they were just like totally bullshitting the whole thing oh that makes it that much this this makes me ick megan starts dipping a toe into the royal duties and at this point i just had to wonder Listen, like, I know this is tacky of me, but I had to wonder about the money. Like, how does that work out? Because at some point she has to quit suits, right? And at some point she has to move over there. At some point, like, these Zara dresses aren't going to buy themselves, bro. And the suits money can't be that long. So how do we navigate, like, all the travel, all the clothes? Like, is she getting paid by the royal family at this point? Are we whipping out contracts before we even get married? Like, how are we doing that? Like, what did Kate do when she was just dating William? You know, like, what? well, her family was rich. But, you know, like, how do they work that out? I just, I'm very curious. The other thing I found fascinating is how Harry talked so much about his method of finding partners and how they would have to be suitable for this life, right? And so they do their walkabout, which is the thing where they just walk about. <laughs> I, mean, I, I guess it's just, they just like set up a street somewhere in England and they just like walk down the half a block and shake hands and say hi and make pleasantries to each other. I, why is that? I didn't actually think about that. What what are we doing that for? British, l- let me know. I imagine it's the same thing if like, you know, Joe Biden goes to Idaho and eats a hamburger at the local, you know, hamburger shack, something like that. That's what I'm guessing. But anyway, the walkabout goes fantastic. The press is loving Megan. They're like, oh, she's so great. Breath of fresh. And Harry's like, oh, this is great. Like, maybe she doesn't think this is easy, but she's making it look easy, which makes my life easier. So good. Y'all, real record scratch moment for me. Because then we see Harry and Megan in New York. Their apartment, gorgeous. Like, in the clouds, floor-to-ceiling windows, views everywhere, stunning, right? Megan's getting her hair done, and we meet, or her makeup done, we meet her glam guy, who she's known for a while, uh, Harry's playing Penny and the Jets in the kitchen for whatever reason, and then we turn over to the couch, and we see, I see, in the lower third, um, Mandana friend, and I'm like, having my That's So Raven, like, oh, how do I know this woman? Y'all, that is Mondana from The Rachel Zoe Project. 
Like in the later stages after they the the replacement to who what was the blonde girl's name? You know, the like the gruff blonde girl. So they replaced her with Mondana, who also had the same hair, but it was dark. And she ended up being the VP of Rachel Zoe eventually, but now apparently not only well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, you guys. So I found out during my research of confirming that this one was the same on Donna from Rachel Zoe Project. So she's listed as an angel investor now. However, she did work for Archwell, which is Harry and Meghan's foundation, beginning of September of 2021, but she just recently quit. And they're trying to make it seem like there might be some shit going down with that. So, you know, if you guys know, if you guys saw a Dumas post, you could lead me in the right direction. Holler at your girl. Because how did we get... What's the through line? How did we... Mondana, let me know. No shit. Like, I, I, how did we get here? I, that's what I want to know. <laughs> so Harry is explaining to Mondana and uh, Megan how the royal media works, starting with the correspondence. So usually we'll see people like, oh, you know who does this now? Uh, Julie from Girls of London. What's it? Ladies of London. Mapperton? Earl of Sandwich? That lady. Now she considers herself a royal correspondent. I saw her on CNN talking about it after Queen Lizzie died. But so basically there's like a select group of people who can get this distinction as a royal correspondent or a royal expert. And it helps add legitimacy both to the person and the publications that they release this information to because it kind of legitimizes the whole process, right? So... I didn't, what I didn't realize is that the royal family and the media are in this like fucked up, sick human centipede style relationship in which they basically have a we pay, you perform situation. So then there's thing called the Royal Rota, R-O-T-A. It's a select number of publications, the Daily Express, the Telegraph, the Evening Standard, the Daily Mail, the Daily Mirror, and the Times that get certain access, exclusive access to certain royal members of the family. And it doesn't matter. They can talk cash shit about these people. It does not matter. They basically have all the control. They still get private access and exclusive access to the royals. It does not matter if they said the worst things about them last week. You will still get that exclusive on Wednesday. And it's wild. Like, they can basically kind of do whatever the fuck they want. So, finally, then we get to Megan's family. We start off a little gentle with Doria. Talking about how uncomfortable and unsafe she felt being followed by the paparazzi. And at one time, a person actually approached her and was like, yo, you could really make a pretty penny if you answer some questions. But she's like, I'm not doing that. That's my daughter. Well, that leads us to Thomas, doesn't it? Her father. So Megan says that she genuinely believes that the media wanted Doria's side of the family, a.k.a. the black family, to be the dramatic ones. But, to use her words, her mom was classy and quiet. And then you have the other side of the family that's just acting differently. And then the chopper just begins to spray. I loved it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks. I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Megan starts talking about, I had a half-sister who I haven't seen in over a decade. The last time I saw her, it was for a day and a half. Suddenly, she felt like she was everywhere, all over the papers. I don't know your middle name. I don't know your birthday. You're telling these people that you raised me and that you called me Princess Pushy growing up? Like, all of this was lies. Megan said, I wanted a sister. Like, dead ass but the truth is my siblings are 17 my half siblings are 17 years older my parents divorced when i was two i never lived with them when i visited my dad they weren't around i barely saw them the last time i saw samantha we were in our, i was in my early 20s and frankly she acted like we had some bust up couldn't happen because we didn't have the relationship for us to have any sort of fallout so just Oh, and then you think it's over. Then you think it's over. The screen pops up and says that Samantha Markle maintains that she and Megan had a close relationship until 2018 and that the media fabricated quotes that have been attributed to her. So then Ashley taps in. So we find out that Ashley is, in fact, Samantha's biological daughter. However, she lost custody. The custody then went to... Uh, Ashley's paternal grandparents who raised her and adopted her. So at some point in 2007, Ashley and Samantha, her mom, biological mother, end up getting back in contact with each other. Ashley starts joining that side of the family. And then Megan hears about this. And this is pre-Harry, obviously. Megan hears about this and is like, oh, there's a new girl. She's coming back. Um, I think I want to reach out to her. They end up getting along and are like, sister, sister, never knew how much I missed you. Like, they they really love their relationship. Uh, she's getting flewed out. They're going to New Orleans. They're traveling together. Megan's using her money. Like, they're treating each other and having a great time. But then Ashley says that when the Harry stuff began... Her mom, Samantha, started getting more and more resentful of Megan, started talking shit about her around her, and so she had to end her relationship with her. And Ashley says, there's some people that you just can't reason with. I want to go back and talk about a moment, because apparently the Megan haters have really run wild with this in my three seconds on that Megan and Harry hashtag, and I was like, no, that, that's enough. So Megan wants to talk about how she met the Queen for the first time and how she was not prepared 
didn't know that they were going to have lunch at some castle. And Harry was just like, hey, my mom or my grandma's going to come after church. So she meets her. And he's also like, um, do you know how to curtsy? She's like, are you joking? He wasn't. So Megan tells a story about how when she finally gets in front of the queen, she does like a medieval style, medieval times actor style my lady like curtsy like a full dramatic curtsy not the just the dip of the knee that you're supposed to do the reason why people are upset with megan you guys this is this is why the documentary is happening y'all because y'all say dumb shit like this i saw two two quite viral tweets posting this clip where she talks about this moment and their claim is that megan is being disrespectful to the queen and the whole royal protocol because she compared the curtsy that she did that she admitted was stupid and American and therefore was roasting herself by saying I looked I looked like a, a medieval times actor that they feel like she is now disrespected England by saying that like are you fucking serious take a walk okay so one thing that the, I was surprised that they did address was Harry dressing up like a Nazi when he was 20 at a Halloween costume party. So he says that he's deeply ashamed. He spoke to a rabbi after it. He went to Berlin and spoke to a Holocaust survivor. It was profoundly impactful on him. And he's moved on. And he says, listen, I could have just done nothing. There would have been no consequences for me. I could have keep making the same mistake over and over again. But I chose not to. And honestly, I'm like, yeah, that's that's real. That's real. Recognize the privilege. Like, you could have just been a shithead. And it would have been fine. Like, for you. <laughs> Do the work. Good for him. The other layer to that is, you know, the suggestion that the royal family would have been perfectly fine with just letting him live his life and not have any consequences to that. Something to think about, you know? Now we're getting to the countdown to the wedding. We're like a week and a half. Samantha is still continuing her circus act by going on Twitter and being like, oh, I haven't gotten my invitation yet, but I, I hope the castle's wheelchair friendly. Megan, please invite me. Girl, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut up. So it turns out because of Samantha being such a stunt queen, she ended up ruining it for her daughter, Ashley. And Harry and Megan had to call her and be like, yo, we can't do anything about this. It's going to look really bad. We're not going to be able to explain why my half sister can't be invited, but her daughter can like, it just doesn't make sense. And Ashley honestly was very understanding. She says, I get it. I'm not mad at Ma Megan or Harry or the Royals. I'm mad at my mom. Like she's the one who fucked this up to me for me. And I don't like it. So then we get to Thomas Markle, Megan's father. So about a week and a half, like I said, into the wedding, he's supposed to be walking her down the aisle. They're supposed to have a meeting with Harry because he hadn't met him at some point. Like, they had planned this whole thing for him to be there. So then, Jason, the PR guy, gets some pictures across his desk that say, um, yeah, it looks like Megan's dad is taking these paparazzi pictures. It looks pretty sketchy. So now they have to call Thomas and be like, is it true? Did you take these for profit? He's like, no. So Megan says, okay, well, it's looking like the media is really going to come after you. So maybe it's best that you just come to London early and, you know, we'll fly you in through Mexico so you can avoid all of this. No, I have stuff to do. I'm busy. So she hangs up 
And she looks at Harry and it's like, mm, something about this isn't right. The very next day, they get video footage of him directing, doing his own, like, David LaChapelle photo shoot, telling people where to go and get this angle, uh, get this picture of me uh, getting tailored, getting my suit tailored for the wedding. Um, did it all himself. Got a hundred grand. A hundred grand. And Doria pissed. She's like, I cannot believe that he would do this. They have this relationship, like, you sold her out so quick. Dirty. And then he starts going full uh, Michael Lohan, Lindsay Lohan's daddy, um, talking to the media, not answering her phone calls. And then the next day, TMZ's coming out with an exclusive interview where Thomas is saying that he's not going to be at the wedding. He was uninvited. They hadn't even spoken to him. They thought he was still coming. And then the next day, they're like, it's all over the media that he had a, a heart attack. So now they're like, really, what the fuck's going on? So they're trying to hit him up, text him. We're seeing these text messages pop up saying, please call me. I keep trying to call you. Please let me know which hospital you're at. What's going on? Keep me up to date. And weird text messages that they're just getting back from him. He goes, I'm back in the hospital, needle angiogram. And so they're like really blowing up his phone. So finally she gets a text back and from... The phone, Thomas's phone, it says, I've done nothing to hurt you, Megan, or anyone else. I know nothing. About 20 phone calls. I'm sorry, my heart attack. Is there any inconvenience for you? If only I had died, then you guys, you guys could pretend to be sad. I, I said that exactly. There was no stuttering. He says you guys twice. <laughs> so Megan says she knew immediately. Like, I know how people text. My dad usually texts with a bunch of emojis. This didn't sound like him at all. Also, he called me Megan. First of all, he misspelled it. The G and the H were flipped. Secondly, nobody calls me Megan. He's never once called me Megan. He calls me Meg. So she knew. So then Harry texts and it's like, can you give us a call? Because this text message doesn't sound like you and we're concerned. That's basically it. So basically that's the last time she heard from him. Like wild. And then series ends or the part one ends with Harry saying I feel really bad because I know that if she wasn't in this relationship with me she could have still had a relationship with her father like this never his opportunity for him to um you know profit off of her never would have happened so like he feels all this guilt about you know their relationship ending but he shouldn't like fuck that guy honestly so Part one ends with 24 hours before the wedding. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in part two. Thank you guys so much for being patient with me. Um, I really, really appreciate it. I'll see you guys later with Sister Wives. We'll be back on a regular scheduled program. Love you. Bye. Bye.